I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power 365 show, where I interview staff at Microsoft across the Power Platform and Dynamics 365 technology stack. I hope you'll find this podcast educational and inspire you to do more with this great technology. Now, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Brussels in Belgium, beautiful country. He's a senior program manager at Microsoft. You can find all his details, his, whether it be LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, etc., are all in the show notes for this episode. So check those out. Welcome to the show, Elia. Thank you very much, Mark. Happy to be here. Good to have you on the show. You've been pretty active lately, it seems, out on the various social media channels with your videos and things. What sparked uh, this for you? Well, you know, you do a lot of work for different different customers mm-hmm. and you have a lot of ideas to solve the problems that they have. But typically, of course, I mean, you have can have one, two, three customers, five, I don't know, whatever. And a lot of the things that you discuss, a lot of the solutions that you discuss stay somewhere on the table because, you know, they're not adopted for whatever reason mm-hmm. and they just get lost. So I thought, you know, why do that? Why not just to share that with other people, people who might, you know, use that for something else? If I come up for a solution for some situation and that solution doesn't work for that particular customer, maybe it will work for someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, what I started doing. Uh, kind of my main focus on what I share is I try to share, I mean, I also share like announcements and things like that, but mm-hmm. mostly I try to think about creative solutions for different situations, different use cases, and yeah, deliver them to the community essentially for, for the benefit of the community. I like it. That's I kind like of the, the motivation behind that at least. It's good. So in this episode, we really want to focus on process mining and what are the tool sets available to us, particularly in relationship to Power Automate. And process mining is one of those areas that actually I don't know a lot about. But what I do know is I'm seeing it mentioned more and more in the in the business domain. I'm seeing it come up from, you know, our competitors in this space. There's been a lot of talk about it in recent times. So I really would love to unpack that. But before we jump in there, just tell, tell us a bit about life in Belgium, family, what you do when you're not doing Microsoft. Well, life in Belgium is pretty nice. It's uh, kind of not my place of, of origin, so to say. I lived in several places in the past, you know, a few years. In the past, I guess, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I haven't lived in one place for too long. I have a wife and two kids. I've been uh, kind of traveling a lot. I think basically until the pandemic, I don't think I ever spent more than like two weeks uh, you know, in one place without, without traveling anywhere for, for business or pleasure or whatever else. So life was kind of uh, very, very chaotic in, in that sense. Although, you know, it was kind of the life that, that I liked in terms of a lot of travel and a lot of uh, new things, a lot of excitement, things like that. And now it's, uh, since I moved to Belgium, I kind of switched gears very drastically in the sense that I'm mostly working from home. I don't travel that, that much. And I also enjoy that life now. It's uh, different. And I mean, it's, I guess, in a way new, new to me. <laughs> but I really enjoy that, that kind of life at home. Outside of 
kind of work. I still like to like to travel when I do have the time. Uh, we used to travel a lot with the kids when they were smaller. I think when my son was two years old, by the time he was in like six or seven countries, we used to take, take him everywhere since he was six months old. And my daughter as well when she was born. Now now they are kind of uh, older, five and seven, so they, they attend school. Obviously, that's less possible. But we used to travel a lot with them. Now, my wife and I want to travel. We kind of, you know, dump them on one of the grandparents and travel without them, especially if it's kind of longer road trips. I like doing a lot of interests that I kind of, one point or another, took semi-professionally, like graphic design, which I taught for a few years, mm-hmm. like flying, which I also learned to fly. I mean, I, I can only fly single-engine planes, mm-hmm. but still something I kind of t- took on. I love building stuff. I kind of trying to get my son into that that whole area. I'm trying to get him into, you know, programming and building robots and things like that. Going fairly well so far. <laughs> Good. We built we built a smartwatch together over a few weekends, so that that was a nice project. Yeah. So traveling, building stuff. That's kind of the main hobbies I would do outside of work for the most part. I like it. Flying whenever I can. I like it. You've given me some inspiration. I've got a eighteen month old and a and a soon to be born newborn arriving in the next six weeks, and we're planning within the year to go to Italy and Greece which is for us now because we live in New Zealand at the bottom of the world. It's it's a major trip. And hearing that you've taken your kids on so many trips like this fills me with confidence that I'll be able to do the same thing. And Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's a great thing I mean, for them as well. I think even at a fairly small age, they, they were quite excited about it, uh, excited about, you know, traveling on planes and trains and whatever else Mm-mm. and being in different places. I mean, that's a great experience, I think. Yeah, totally. Okay, so tell me about process mining. What is it and why are companies investing a lot of time, resource, et cetera, into process mining these days? Well, I think that these days companies are not yet investing a lot of time into process mining. I wouldn't say that it's a new area, but it's something that is still doesn't have as much exposure as, let's say, other things in business applications, as, uh, you know, like Power Automate or Power Apps mm-hmm. or, you know, no code, low code, things like, like that. So it's still kind of a fairly new space. Yeah. But if we talk about what that is, right, I guess let's, that makes sense to start from mm. saying in what case you can, you can, you can use it and what, what for. So if you are an organization, you probably have some kind of processes that you work by. I don't know. You, you do case management, you do invoice management, you do efficient manufacturing, whatever else. You probably have some set of processes that, that you work by. And in some of those processes, you typically do have KPIs or SLAs to track the efficiency and the performance within that business process. But in others, often you don't. As a very, very common example, if you can look at case management, especially in call centers, it is very important to have a certain you know, length for a call for some organization or SLA to cover a certain case for support cases and so on. So there's a lot of more work being done on supporting the efficiency of those kind of processes than others. On the other hand, if you look, for example, at I don't know, invoice processing, there's not a lot of organizations that invest actively invest time in developing reporting and uh, analytics and KPIs to understand how efficiently our I don't know accounting accounting department processes invoices. You know, it it, it takes time, and okay, that, that's fine. So, process mining is a way to enable monitoring of efficiency for really any process without investing that time and money into developing new analytics, new KPIs, new SLAs, and so on. So it's a way to understand the efficiency of, of a process or really any process 
based on the data that is produced by that process. Mm-hmm. Right? So within each process, you have at least, I would say, at least four main elements. You have the process itself, let's say, I don't know, invoice processing, right? Within that process, you have invoices. So you have invoice one, two, three, and four, and, and so on. And within each invoice, you have events or actions that are done by different people, right? Let's say John accepts the invoice, and then Fred passes the invoice to a different department for approval, and then someone else approves that, that, that invoice, and so on and so on. So every such event is tied into a specific invoice, so an invoice ID, Mm-hmm. And every such event has a timestamp. So when that happened, you can have either one timestamp or so when that happened, or even two timestamps. So the start date and the end date of the of the activity or the action depends on what kind of system you work with, or you work with and how it records your activities in the, in that system. But any system doesn't matter what it is. If it's Dynamics, SAP, Salesforce, even some kind of a custom made system, probably has those three data points. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is that. Process mining, specifically the implementation by Microsoft, which is called Process Advisor, can take this data, those three basic, four basic data, data points, and build a reporting, build a flow diagram, which will show you the efficiency of the process overall across multiple iterations. So you have you can have a look over how your entire company works like, and then filter down by departments, by specific people, by specific processes, by specific invoices, Whatever kind of slicing you want to do, you can if you have the data to do that kind of slicing, right? So that's what process mining essentially does. It it uses AI to make the understanding of the efficiency of your processes easier and really, I would say, minimal investment. I showed a few few, few examples, uh, for example, how, 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 it's, how it's done on my YouTube channel. And awesome. you can literally set up process mining in like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to with, mm-hmm. with sample data to understand, for example, how an invoice invoice processing process works and is it efficient? And if it's not efficient, then how to find the inefficiency? Right. So it's really that simple. And actually, I've been doing some doing some work recently to take it even beyond that usage for processes in using process mining to understand the usage patterns of of apps. So let's say you build mm-hmm. an app, a mobile mm-hmm. app, or power app whatever else. And I've built a solution which is fairly simple, but it relies on process mining to understand the usage patterns and the general uh, kind of usage statistics of your app. So let's say you built an app which has mm-hmm. know, five different, different screens and yep. you add a new functionality in, in a new screen number, number six. So how would you as a developer know if someone is using that functionality or not, if someone is going to that screen or not? You can ask them, right? You can ask, you can, you know, send send out a, out a survey or ask people directly, and then you will get a response from one, two, ten, fifty, fifty people. I don't know, but you don't really know for sure, and especially you don't know across all users. But with that approach, if you collect this data and you input that into the process mining engine, you can know for sure. So you would actually get a diagram that will show you how all users in general use the app. And if they use that functionality or not, and if they use it, then how much time they spend on it, and in what cases, like from what screen would you go to get that new functionality, you know, in order to use it, and how much time you would you would spend on that? Wow, that's incredible. You know, as an I'm involved in a lot of situations where enterprises are implementing the Power Platform, right? Multiple app developers and things like that, and I could see this would be such a useful tool to see that the app was being used as intended or needs improvement. 
Exactly. I've built a very fairly simple solution that demonstrates how that works. So there's a demo app. There's I'm writing the usage statistics to Dataverse currently. There is the process mining model, model itself. Uh, and there is a model-driven app that allows you to kind of view and edit the app traces, you know, just for additional analysis if you, if you wanted to. And I'm actually preparing to release a video on that uh, on YouTube probably tomorrow. Uh, awesome. Well, that you, you can you can watch and, and see how that works. And also, for, obviously, the solution will be available on GitHub for everyone to to leverage if they want to. I like it. Send me the link so we can get that in the show notes. Yeah. When, when we look at where the product surfaces for Microsoft, if people want to go out and start using this, where do they typically find it in the ecosystem? The actual, the, the ability to carry out process mining. Right. So right now it's part of Power Automate. So we have, mm-hmm. in Power Automate, we have something called Process Advisor. Yes. And in Process Advisor, you have two options. You have to do process mining based on recordings, essentially just looks at how people, literally looks like a, like a, a video of how people mm-hmm. use a certain process or app, whatever else, and mm-hmm. gives you insight. Or there's the new option, which allows you to do the same, but based on data. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the the point I'm, I was talking about, about earlier. So yeah. that's kind of the real, I would say, process mining at a large scale, right? If you want to look not just at, at the usage pattern of a specific person or persons, but in mm-hmm. uh, mass across your organization, across mm-hmm. all the users, let's say. That's really the, the way to, to do it, I, I guess, in, in, in most enterprise scenarios and for most processes. So that's the way that you get to it. Configuring that is fairly easy. For, for example, if you ever built any kind of Power Report BI or really, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. imported data from uh, in Excel, let's say from an Excel data source, you would have this kind of UI to select the data source and then you can configure the, the query. So configure the columns that you want to use, mm-hmm. filter out the data that you want to use, and essentially that's it. So if you have the skills to use Excel, then you probably have the skills to use process mining, which I think is probably the biggest difference from how kind of we do it at Microsoft in Power Platform yeah, yeah. and how it's done across other uh, solutions where, look, I'm not new in the kind of IT field, right? I've been, mm-hmm, been around mm-hmm. the blog for, for a while, mm-hmm. but looking, for example, at some other solutions, I don't know if you have to be a data scientist in order to understand them, but it probably wouldn't hurt. In Power Platform, the nice thing about it is that we are following this low-code, no-code philosophy Mm-mm-mm. and process mining is built on that philosophy as well, essentially. So you don't have to be the data scientist in order to build that. You might want to have some more advanced skills, for example, like if you if you know how to build a more complex Power BI report, that skill would definitely help you to also mm-hmm. build perhaps a more complex process mining model, uh, just you know, to, to, be able, to be able to filter out the data that, that you need in a more efficient way. But other, other than that, if you just want to take all the results from a process and analyze that, that really mm-hmm. takes very little effort. And as I said, you can literally set it up in 10, 15 minutes if you want to. So is a lot of the visualization happening in Power BI? You've mentioned Power BI a few times. And mm-hmm. when I've looked online, I see companies offer process mining tools. And one yeah. of their claim to fame is that it's all visualized in Power BI, being it's, you know, the, the number one analytics type platform now that organizations are using. So is there a tightly, is it, you know, tightly linked to, to Power BI and, and how you would um, use Process Advisor? Yeah. So, I mean, the result that you get is essentially looks like Power BI dashboard. Uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you get, get the, the process flow where you can see how different events are connected to each other. You have a dashboard that, that, that shows you the different variants of a process. So in how many different ways can one process be, be achieved based on the data? 
Mm-hmm. You have information about timings, so how much time it took to, in average, to go through each case, let's say, or each invoice mm-hmm. uh, in July or in August or whatever else. You have the ability to drill down to look into, let's say, specific uh, users or specific departments or kind of drill down based on the additional information that you have in the data that you have imported. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a time analysis, which allows you to show to see how much time each action or each event takes on average and be able to kind of get get uh, additional insights based on, based on that. So let's say you can look at the time analysis and understand that you have one uh, step in your process which takes way longer than every other, other, other step. Mm-hmm. And you can, I, I think, you know, either it's normal and, and this is what, what, what you expect or it's not normal. And that mm-hmm. can be something that happens only in some uh, of the cases or, for example, only some departments or only for some people for some reason, you know. Uh, so you can really drill down and understand where this anomaly comes from and be able to handle that. And when you yeah. re-upload the data again, let's say next month or next quarter or however you want to set up that, that, that cadence, you can compare if the changes that you made to the process have actually affected the efficiency of the process overall or the efficiency of the process where you wanted to improve it for specific events, let's say, or specific departments or even specific, specific people that work mm-hmm. on the process. So, so, you know, what jumps to mind for me is that this would allow organizations to potentially find the bottlenecks that are happening inside their organization. Mm-hmm. Does it make those bottlenecks really clear that the difference between what's an anomaly and then what's a, it's always, you know, this is always in whatever the process is, this is the point for whatever reason and the way the process is designed, everything slows down. And if we could fix this part of the process, perhaps we could, you know, create efficiencies that generally whenever efficiencies are created, it means, you know, cost savings. You're taking cost out of a business. Is that, you know, one of the chief aims of of um, process mining? I would say so. So, I mean, it, it depends on your goal. Uh, so we, we have mm-hmm. discussed two, I would say, very different cases. One, when you use, to, you use process mining to understand the efficiency of business processes. And mm-hmm. the other one, when you use process mining to understand the usage patterns of, of an app. So in the first case, yes, uh, for the most part, you would try to understand if there are bottlenecks in your process, case management, uh-huh. invest management, whatever else. Yes, yes. And you would try to understand uh, where those bottlenecks come from. So uh-huh. do they come from, let's say, maybe there is some kind of a, an event that happens and it takes long, but it only for some reason, reason takes long in July. Okay? Mm, mm, mm. What's yeah. up with that? You can drill down and understand why it happens only in July. Or maybe it happens only in a specific department. Why it happens only there. For example, it only only happens in your branch in Amsterdam, but does mm-hmm. not happen in your branch in Dublin. Why is that? Yeah. Do they have Do yeah. they have a different different process, or they just work in a way that is maybe less efficient for whatever reason? Right. So you can really use that to identify those kind of bottlenecks. So you know, with very large organizations, process has been built over years, right? As in, mm-hmm. and and it seems that sometimes. In the larger organizations, the process has become more, I wouldn't say complex, but I would say more, there's checks and balances and stuff put in pro, in, in play because of maybe technology limitations at the time that the process was developed. But for whatever reason, now you have a process that potentially takes a month to do. That could, There's no reason why it should be done in hours, but the actual, if you 
you know, hit play at the start and hit approval at the end or completion or we, we can move forward, there can be a month time frame. And when you look at the moving parts, which often can span multiple systems, and this is my concern here, is what do you do when, you know, for example, one of the key next steps in a process is uploading a file to somewhere or sending an email for confirmation or, you know, getting five people to approve it. How do you, um, you know, is is this an, an application for organizations like that? They go, you know what, we're, we're probably wasting millions and millions of dollars a year on our process that was built over a 15-year period, but no one's gone back and said, why are we doing it this way? Why, you, you know, this in, in the world and where technology is advanced now, things need to change. We could make massive improvements, save millions of dollars if we addressed it. Is is this one of the aims or the goals of process mining, even though in that scenario, I think there need to be a lot of people investment in discovering where those bottlenecks were happening and whether they were still needed within the organization. Yeah, definitely. It can be a way to make processes more transparent for, let's say, management people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to really understand how processes work across their organization and across different departments. I've been in consulting for many, many years, and I've been working with organizations in you know many, many sizes. And if you work with organizations like at the global scale, like, you know, where they have presence in multiple countries or even mm-hmm. at a national, national scale, where they have presence in multiple large cities, then you would often come across situations where you come to a new branch to understand, you know, how they work in order to help them to automate the process. And they tell you, well, this, this is how they do it in Amsterdam, but in Dublin, we do it in a different way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's often uh, absolutely no reason from a corporate standpoint to do it in a different way. Just that, mm-hmm. you know, culture or whatever else, they just decided that they, they do it differently for whatever historic reason. And those kind of subtle subtleties can make a big difference in terms of how people work, but they are not visible to people who are kind of at the level, at the national level or at the global level, managing the, managing the organization. And it's mm-hmm. not information that, well, obviously will come voluntarily from uh, the local subs, but it is information that can be understood from the data that they produce, because data that they produce is well, it's it's there, it's available for, uh, you know, for everyone in, in organization. And if you take this data and you understand how the processes actually work, you can really compare how the same process work across the multiple branches or multiple countries or you know multiple di- different cities. And if, if the process really does work different, then you need to ask the, the question: Why is there really good reason for that? Is that you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some kind of compliance. Let's, let's say if it's a global organization, there's some kind of compliance in Switzerland that doesn't exist in Germany. That may well, mm-hmm. as well be, be the case. And that's why the process in Switzerland takes longer than, than in Germany. That's perfectly fine. But if it's something that is unexpected, then it's definitely something you can look into and take care of and be able, well, have the, at least to have the opportunity, opportunity to understand that it exists and that you can influence that if you want to. Yeah. And that in turn can save a lot of money when you have that, that, that level of transparency. Yeah. So my last question is around AI. How much, you know, can AI feature in particularly process advisor in really proactively uncovering those issues and going, hey, you know, 
somebody needs to actually look at this area because there's a major bottleneck that is happening, as you say, it could be infrequently, it could be frequently, it could be ge- you know, geographically, et cetera. How much yeah, does AI play in Process Advisor and then is it extensible? Well, so at this point, I don't think we are yet at the point where, you know, you get, you, you get a call from a robot which tells you when the pattern works. <laughs> that is officially yeah. as, as you expect. So we are at the, at the stage where you are presented with insights mm-hmm. and you can make decisions based on those insights. And this is a process that you can initiate whenever you want yourself. Mm-hmm. You can take the data from, from process mining and take it forward to some other system for you know, additional analysis to some kind of AI model, which is specific to your business for additional analysis, that that's definitely possible. But I don't think we are yet, yet in the stage where, you know, there's a continuous kind of monitoring for the efficiency mm-hmm, of your processes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get a message in Teams from a bot saying that something went wrong. But if I look kind of into, into the future, and I would say into the near future, I can imagine that we will be in that situation where that would be possible. So when AI would proactively tell you that something happens in your organization based on the data, data that, that, that you produce. I would say that there is and there probably will be some issues regarding you know data protection and compliance in order to to get there mm-hmm. it's i mean that that would be a bit of a difficult thing to to achieve but technically i think we are not that far away from this reality Ilya, thank you so much for coming on the show thank you mark happy to be here Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. If there's a guest you'd like to see on the show from Microsoft, please message me on LinkedIn. If you want to be a supporter of the show, please check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 Guy. How will you create on the Power Platform today? Ciao.